The Free for All Roundtable. Round one. On round one this morning, Courtney Betty is here from Betty's Law. Jerry Agar from the Jerry Agar Show, 9 to noon, right here on News Talk 1010. Dave Trafford is host and producer of On the Ledge, the Ontario politics podcast. Good morning to you all, and let's actually start with something that is very much about politics. Doug Ford saying he's not going to use the notwithstanding clause to fight off a court ruling against Bill 124. Bill 124 is the law that the Ontario government passed to hold public work to 1% annual pay increases. So, listen, I'll start with Dave Trafford on this one. Um, this this feels like deja vu all over again because we've been through lawsuits like this before. It's more like suck and blow at Queen's Park. I mean, on the one <laughs> hand, it was good enough to use against the QP workers, but we're not going to use it against the general um, you know, public service. So, you know, Mr. Ford, I don't think has a real grasp on how things are working vis-a-vis the process. I mean, I, th- I think it's laughable that at the top of the article that you sent along to us this morning from CTV, uh, he, he was, uh, he's just trying to rationalize the whole thing, and uh, he's not quite sure in terms of the efficacy of the ruling. I, you know, given his deep understanding of the law as a lawyer uh, in the Queen's Council or the King's Council, I'm not sure how we take this. This is laughable. Okay. Well, Courtney Betty, let me turn to, I don't think you are QC, but at the very least, you are a lawyer. Um, I I think this lawsuit is going to be fascinating, and I'm sure it's going to go to the Supreme Court. Um, It probably will end up at the Supreme Court. But the issue, John, is we've got to stop using the notwithstanding clause. Um, you know, for things that can be addressed. I mean, it really was intended for emergency situations. And I think maybe this is a, a recognition that by Doug Ford that using in the education setting and now using it whenever there's a disagreement, it's just not appropriate. So I think that's where we've got to stop from. And hopefully it's a lesson that the premier has learned um, and, and approaching it that way. You know, Jerry, I'm curious what you're going to say about this, because effectively the courts have made a ruling here that could cost the province of Ontario billions. I think that uh, people who are cheering this court decision, okay, you can be happy about it, but don't act like this is the final word, because legal expertise I got from several sources when I was filling in for you yesterday, John, uh, was, look, there's precedent in other provinces where the court decided otherwise, and if this gets all the way up to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court is going look at those precedents as well and so uh, Doug Ford has not necessarily lost uh, the you know people talk about well we have the right to this we have the right to that well an employer in this case the government also has a right to hold the line on expenses so um, it's going to be fascinating to see where it goes. Meanwhile, this week has not been breaking in Doug Ford's favor. Favor. He's now, I wouldn't say at war with the City of Toronto, but he is accusing the City of mismanaging its finances. Jerry, I'll start with you. This is all about the fact that the province is planning on stripping out some development fees, and cities are saying, how are we going to get by? Okay, well, when one uh, level of government accuses the other level of government of mismanaging funds, it's the pot calls the kettle black, I would say. Um, if every level of government can't figure out how to uh, manage their money and and thinks that there is literally nowhere to cut, then they're, they're blind to the reality. It's just, it's ridiculous. I mean, a government will have a department full of 57 people and in the private sector would be 22 people. I mean, that's common in government. It's unbelievable to me that anybody thinks that government don't have a way to trim their budget. 
Yeah, okay. Well, Courtney, let me turn to you. Uh, Doug Ford, it can be forgotten, was a city councillor and principal advisor to a mayor of Toronto for four years. And I never bought the idea that the Ford administration found that much savings at City Hall. So maybe there was no savings to be had. Well, it's sort of interesting, John, because that's exactly where my mind was. You know, um, let's stop the gravy train. Um, let's put some uh, some money in the piggy bank. Those simple messages that... Uh, that Rob Ford uh, used to win used to win the election, and now we're seeing the same. But at the end of the day, there's a bigger issue that's here. The question is, who is going to benefit from this, right? All of the changes of the new legislation. If developers are going to get an unfair advantage because of how the province has structured this, then that's something that we should be concerned about. That, that That's sort of the focus for me. Who's getting the real benefits out of this? Okay. Uh, Dave Trafford. This is the red herring, right? I mean, this is the get the dog off the trail kind of thing, because what we're doing now is picking a fight with the, with Toronto and other municipalities over this accounting debate. And, and you know, Jerry can go on, and, and I think he's right on this, that the, the two governments wagging their fingers over who can spend their money better is, is, uh, is an easy thing to distract from. The issue here is the infrastructure that is going to have to be paid for to de- develop a new housing uh, and affordable housing. Housing. So when the minister of the you know municipalities comes out and talks about you know we're protecting young people and newcomers and low income Ontarians and seniors on fixed income etc somehow he thinks that the developers who are building these homes are going to pass along the break that they're getting from the government on the development charge. There's nothing to indicate that that will happen. It's the same argument we have at the gas pumps. When we lower the yep. gas taxes, we don't see any break in the price of the gas pumps. Yes, we do. I don't think for a minute that this is going to lower the cost of housing in Toronto or anywhere else in Ontario. So totally the, whole agree. Point of the, the whole point of us building these houses was to make some of them affordable. There's nothing in this that ensures that the housing that we build, the 1.5 million homes that we're expected to have in the next 10 years, is going to be anywhere near affordable. I need to take on two things here, really quickly. Uh-huh. Okay, first of all, Dave, yes, we do see it, because if gas prices got up to over $2 a litre, if what you were saying is true, they'd just stay there. They wouldn't come back down. Uh, and secondly, John, when you said that uh, Doug Ford was at City Hall, you don't think that the Ford brothers, so to speak, uh, saw any savings. I don't think they saw the savings that they used to trumpet. But even the Toronto Star said, oh, they only saved $750 million. Oh, well, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'd have to go back over the figures, but I'm not sure that the Toronto Star ever concluded that. Yeah, well, uh, okay, you can look that up. I mean, because okay. I, I remember having, I, I used it probably 50 times because it was, you know, there was this argument, they didn't save any money. Well, the Star says they did, and they weren't exactly the, the you know, uh, PR team for the Fords. Uh, meanwhile, in London, Ontario, they're looking at changing some school names, including Franklin Delano Roosevelt School and Prince Charles School and Princess Anne School. Um, Courtney, Betty, I'll start with you. I, I, well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, it, my whole position on this has always been, okay, I get it. Maybe somebody who's racialized or indigenous doesn't want to walk through the gates of a school named after Sir John A. Macdonald. But at the same time, I think, can you guys worry about reading, writing, and arithmetic rather than $40,000 a school renaming schools? Well, I, I agree, John. Um, to the extent, however, that the concept of what they're looking at, let's find names that are connected to our local communities. So I, I, I can understand them trying to find individuals that are relevant to those communities. That makes a lot of sense. Um, once you start getting into, you know, who's got 
uh, a, a history of certain actions, it becomes a little bit more challenging. But I do think the idea, you know, does Prince Charles has a connection to this school? They're saying he doesn't. So, you know, why name a school after him? Okay, well, Jerry Agar, maybe we should just be like the Americans and number our schools. Yeah, I was looking at the schools, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. I was looking at schools in New York City in that regard, and it turns out that in most cases, the school might be PS273, but it actually has a name, but some of them don't. PS173 <laughs> is just PS173. I'm a proud graduate of PS173. <laughs> so, uh, you know, maybe that would solve this problem. As long, John, as we don't use 13 or in Asian communities, anything with a 4. In it. Oh, believe me, there's a whole bunch of other numbers that are problems, I'm sure. Dave Trapp- well, no, no community would get big enough to have PS666, probably. So. <laughs> I would love to go to PS666. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when we look at the schools, though, and the whole question of relevance, etc., and everything around that, so how far do we extend that? And I heard you talking this morning to, to Deb Hutton about this, but the, the idea, I think it's rather ironic that they want to uh, disassociate themselves from the, the monarchy, and they're in the city of London. I mean, really. <laughs> Come on. So where do we stop? I mean, with all of that level of, of history and heritage and the association that goes with it. I learned a lot hearing from the, 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 the trustee this morning from London, but I'm not sure there was enough that, there that said, this is why we need to change the name. This is the history of this individual or, you know, how this has affected our community for sure. And I think we have to have a balanced conversation and understand our history. I, this we, we keep repeating this history over and over again. That's the problem with it. Meanwhile, uh, MPs, and I, there's sort of a twinning of these stories, and I don't think they're related because we're two different countries, but, you know, people pointing to Donald Trump having dinner with Kanye West and Kanye West being an out-and-out racist. Uh, then people are pointing at the fact that some Canadian MPs ended up attending a Parliament Hill reception along with a very controversial publisher. Um, is this an issue? Jerry Agar. Well, you know what? In this case, I'm uh, going to give the government some slack here, and unless somebody can prove otherwise, I'm going to take their word for it. They didn't invite this guy. It's different than the guy that they were going to have lecture you and me, John, about how not to be racist, and it turned out he was racist, uh, and, and they should have known that. But in this case, the guy showed up, and you know, you, you can't control who comes to every government event. Yeah, Courtney Betty, it it does seem that in a room full of people, one noxious individual shows up and you can't necessarily be stained. It's not quite the same thing as sitting down for dinner with two people, both of whom are anti-Semites. Absolutely, John. And so we've got to figure out, you know, you know, where, where do we draw the line? Is it going to be two people, three people, five people? If you've got a public gathering, someone shows up that has totally different views um, that are challenging for maybe the majority of people in the room. You can't all of a sudden paint everyone in the same room because the individuals there that may be anti-Semitic or, 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 or show racist views. Well, Dave Trafford, it all depends on the framing as well, because it's quite easy to represent some people's pro-Palestinian views as being necessarily anti-Semitic. Sure, and and I think that in that case, you know, you can you can somewhat predict that you're going to have a certain profile of of an individual that shows up. But to be clear, it was a general invitation that went out to the community. So you know, come one, come all. I don't know how you can kind of draw a distinction and then blame somebody for who actually ends up attending uh, one way or the other. And and based on the article I read, it doesn't look like that 
particular individual in question caused any issues or brought anything up that was uh, otherwise disruptive or you know wasn't a problem so somebody actually saw him pointed it out after the fact and then complained about it i'm a big fan of titles so i find this story fairly compelling there is a former senator in ottawa who still has the title of honorable and the move is on to strip him of the title honorable jerry agar well is is he honorable I don't think so. Well, then, there you go. How tough is this? Okay. Well, we got to call it there. Thank you all very much. Interesting when you consider that uh, former premiers do not get to enjoy the title honorable. So Kathleen Wynne is not the honorable Kathleen Wynne, in spite of having been premier of Ontario. My thanks to Dave, Tra- the honorable Dave Trafford, the honorable Courtney Betty, and the honorable Jerry Agar. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.